I'm happy to have on the show today, Alexi Saf. He's a CEO of Campfire AI. They are a generative AI that allows people to focus on what's important. And we were talking about how ChatGPT fully changed everything in your industry and what you guys are working on around conversational AI. So what happened and what's coming next? We started Campfire AI three and a half years ago. I was actually already working on conversational AI projects since Facebook Meta released their Facebook chatbots in 2016. I was part of a digital marketing agency at that time. And I saw the interest of using a more efficient solution to converse with clients, with employees, with prospects, wherever you want, and being able to scale your conversation. So I started there, part of this company, and then I realized, okay, I actually want to focus solely on that. It was very early on the market. Chatbots were starting 2016. And then in 2020, we started Campfire as a sole focus to work on conversational AI projects. So we do help large companies and institutions around the world to leverage their technologies around conversational AI. So understanding text, understanding voice and applying a reply to that. And when we started, the technology was mature. In 2020, it was already mature. The technology was mostly focusing on recognizing text. And then the content, the answer of the conversational experience was prepared, so was predefined. So there was no generation from an AI point of view. And we work, we still work today like that. So there is no problem using this type of technology. I think they're very efficient for what they do. But yeah, indeed, end of the last year when ChatGPT was released and all the open AI applications behind, we thought first, yeah, we're going to actually lose our business because it will be so easy to create chatbots based on generative AI that you will not need any company to help you building that experience. And so we were thinking, okay, it might be a big disruption to our business model, but actually after a few weeks, we realized it's not a disruption in a bad way, it's a disruption in a good way. Generative AI adds a lot of possibilities to what we were doing. It doesn't replace them. It just allows us to go further into more use cases, more possibilities, which were not possible before. It's clearly something we really achieve with OpenAI and Generative AI in general, and especially with markets we are working with, what we do is delivering services to large companies, like I said, and these large companies are not fully ready to just move to Geratia. There are risks and problems and logics we need to follow. And it's today still not clear for all these companies or they should use it. And mainly for two risks. One, because you don't control what the AI is going to say, and that's something you can work on. It's called what we do, embedded models. So you can define that the Generative AI will focus solely on the content you're giving to it. So you can find, okay, I want you to answer questions based on this website, this intranet, this documentation, and you focus solely on answering based on that content. But still today, this is far from perfect. If you really want to hack it, you can always trick OpenAI and always get the information you want while we define you should not answer this question. And that's one of the risks that companies are seeing. And Thanks to our experience of working with these large companies, we understand that a bit better. Or when it's, for example, more framed into a specific scenarios where you can control a bit more of the narrative. And then the other main issues that we see with companies willing to move to charity AI, and that's maybe more EU focused than a US focused, is the data protection logic. There is a lot of discussion right now in Europe about AI acts. They're a bit afraid of how the data is preceded, how is it used by governments as well. So they're going to legislate lots and restrict Usage of generative AI, again, it's not like going to ruin innovation. It's mostly focusing on political organization and institution 
on medical organization and educational organization. They want to avoid what's happening, for example, with China and uh, because of using AI for people management, let's say. So yeah, in Europe, there is a big fear over data. How can you use open AI? It's based in the US and Europe wants uh, European-based uh, servers. So there as well, there are new alternatives coming out and there are new possibilities. Other companies like OpenAI are creating a qualitative, what we call them as well. And that's what's something also an opportunity for us to investigate and being the one in Europe, at least to recommend the right technologies, assess the right risk and being after January, actually our business booms, clearly we have three times more prospects and needs that we had before because everybody's running into JRTVI, even sometimes if they don't really need it. They still come to us because they saw it on the press and it creates a lot of expectations. So it's not only about the technology itself, it's also, let's say two years ago, saying we do chatbots was maybe not seen as a good thing. And today chatbots are again considered as a solution that works because ChatGPT made it available to everyone and they did a pretty good job at it. So well, that's how it changed for us. Do you also see an issue with the language model kind of swaying off the path of, let's say the voice of your, of that particular client? What do you mean by that? Like we've used ChatGPT, for example. Yes. It might just, you have this prompt set up and it's doing really, and all of mm -hmm. a sudden it just sways off on a tangent. Yes. And I would think in conversational with, let's say you're dealing with a customer and you have, you want a very specific brand voice and then that moves off of that could be a big issue. That can be a big issue. And the problem again is that there is ways to, even if you create your own, what we call embedded model, meaning you define your own content, you can define that it's the same logic prompts, parameters, if you want, and you are going to say, every time you answer a client, you will answer with that tone of voice, knowing this, restricting this type of information for them. So you can really define it. But today there is always a possibility to, to actually lose that parameter. And that's what we are trying more and see how can we limit that as much as possible. And it's actually funny because when you what the AI should answer. We were telling it, okay, these are what we call intents, in questions, intentions. You need to understand these 50 questions and for each question, we had a set of examples. So the AI was understanding, okay, when I see this, I can relate to this question. Today, it's about defining what you don't want the AI to answer. So it's a kind of completely different mindset because you need to limit as much as possible because the AI, everything, more or less everything. So even when you're restricted today, we still have issues being able to fully restrict it. Again, I don't know if you saw the examples on ChatGPT and how people would try to get over the limitation of ChatGPT. You can still do the same. And what we do is now our exercise internally. Every Friday, we take 30 minutes to try to break our own generative AI model to see how can we better improve it? How can we better control the content? But that's still complicated. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I don't really have like regrets or things I, I would have done differently. So I don't have something that would have changed my perspective on life. I think w when I started my life, after my studies, I directly created first company. Then we were five young, very young people building a first company. And I think if I could talk to myself at that time, I would tell myself maybe be less naive and more uh, pragmatic over business. Because I think when you get out of university, there is a bit of a naivety or thinking that everything is nice and everyone is positive and everyone's your best, but I think it's a dramatic about the situation, but protect yourself a bit better. How many businesses or concepts have you went through before you landed on Campfire? I created, after my studies, I had created a first business, a TaskRabbit style company for Belgium and Netherlands, which is still active today. And then I joined a company as an employee. That's where I started conversational governance. After that, I left. I was first freelancing for strategy and digital strategy. I had many requests over chatbots coming back. 
And actually, based on the opportunity, I was saying, I know how to do this. I should actually answer these requests. And that's how I started Campfire. What are some of the biggest opportunities you're seeing in AI or specifically within your industry? Uh, it's a topic we discuss a lot. Aren't we are always, we're a service company. We always think, oh, there are so many public ideas and things we could leverage and do. To be honest, there is, for me, there is always an interest of tackling things. Usually technology is not seen as a way to tackle it. I'm talking, for example, a lot of things happening right now in mental troubles and healthcare issues. And how can you use your hello key if you want? which is amazing. And really I was testing it and it allows you to ask questions about how you feel, how do you want to develop yourself? So really personal development, personal leadership. And I was going through the conversation. I was really by the quality of the conversation with an AI. And to me, and it's a study we have actually done coaching and personal development. Sometimes you feel, okay, I don't want to share this, especially, I don't know why entrepreneurs may be focusing on themselves and they don't believe their problems should be shared sometimes. And I think. Having an AI that you can actually frame question and again, problem engineering or problem designing, being able to define your challenges for me, it's already a first challenge, being able to put words on it and being able to describe it. And again, I was using this high tool and I was really fascinated by the fact that it was recognizing my challenges, but is it just saying that's normal? You're not the only one. There are actually easy solutions and easy methods you can apply it. And for me, it felt like such positive experience for 10 minutes discussion with just an AI. So I do believe that people are a bit afraid maybe to use AI for these type of topics, but I do believe that's a very interesting topic. I, I was talking to a girl that was telling me that AI is getting better at emotion recognition, and that patterns of communication, that there is an issue that they could solve it. So I do believe there is a lot of possibility there to develop further the AI world is within the mental health and health in general environments. Yeah. I could see that saving me some conversations. Yeah. I really trust advice to try it really. What would be your, other than Campfire, what are your top three, like favorite AI tools right now? Well, I'm using ChatGPT all over the place. We have been using ChatGPT since it was released. For us, it's also in terms of processes inside the company, we are using it all the time to facilitate what we're doing. So for me, generating first ideation is always very practical and using ChatGPT for that. AP is really becoming one of defined as a personal assistant. And I think that's really interesting. It's not just a content knowledge base. It's mostly something that works for you, which I think is very interesting. Other AI tool, I'm actually pretty impressed how generative AI is also having an impact on translation AI. So when you see Google uh, Translate, but also Deep, uh, which is a competitor of Google Translate, we now also use Deep APIs to, we do work with UP Parliament. So everything we do needs to be in 26 languages. Uh, we use Deep we give it pure raw text based on an English version or French version, for example, and we can define as well prompts. So you can define, for example, in French, you have two forms of addressing to someone. You can say a very formal to someone you don't know, you will say vous, and very uh, personally will say tu. Before it was always a mess when you had to translate from English to French. And now with the way you can prompt design your translation through people, you can actually make sure that the translation are very good and then you use human behind, so we saved 75% of our time using these type of models to translate better content or use it for a client section. Yeah, so much time saving with this technology. 